You'll need your Bibles open to the prophet Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. And in just a moment, I'm going to read that passage. Uh, We're in a sermon series during Advent, uh, The Music of Christmas. We're thinking together about uh, learning to mean what we sing and sing what we mean and to think deeply about the words that we're singing. Some of these Christmas carols we have heard so long and sung so often that they just sort of uh, slip right over us and we don't ponder the depth of them, nor do we think about the power of music to carry such deep meaning. So we're going to explore some of that. uh, And this morning we start with uh, a very uh, famous uh, work uh, entitled Messiah. But before that, I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 40, and I would invite us to bow for a prayer of centering before I read God's holy word. Such rich blessings, Heavenly Father, have already washed over us, and we pause in your presence now that we will be attentive and open and available to the teaching of your Holy Spirit May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 1, some immortal words. And if you're able, would you stand, please, as God's word is shared and read aloud. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term and that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Says, say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I don't know how else to say it. I love music and music is powerful. Janet and I were privileged to attend the Cantorum Christmas concert last night, our community chorale, uh, such inspiring music and so proud of so many of our FBC family gathered and and, uh, participating in that. There's something powerful about music. Uh, 
if you want to just do a mental exercise, think what Christmas would be like without music. If we couldn't sing the carols, if we couldn't listen to them, if they couldn't be the the fabric and the background of all that we do at Christmas, how impoverished we would be. See, there's something about music that expresses the depth of our feelings in a way that words cannot express. And there's something about music that carries the intensity of our commitments, our hearts' loves, uh, in a way that words cannot carry. Music is powerful, and this sermon series, we're simply going to explore and think about those words and and how we might be different people if we started really hearing those words, how we might be open to the transforming work of Jesus Christ in our lives if we could really hear them. Music is indeed powerful. I read recently in a British publication that there was a, uh, an underperforming school, we would call it stateside an elementary school uh, in England. Uh, they were falling behind in math scores and in reading scores. And uh, many of the children were from low-income families, and the children didn't have uh, a lot of the advantages that some of the other children in other districts had. And so the leaders of that particular school were desperate, and they decided to just sort of try something innovative, and they added six hours of music per week to the school's curriculum. And over a period of time, the scores in math and reading rose dramatically. This is an article you can find online. And it's an amazing story about the power of music. Now, really, I could get carried away with this theme, and I could get excited. I mean, I could, I, I could just go wild with this thinking of, let's put some music at, music at the edge of a cornfield, and maybe the farmer's harvest will increase. How about that? Or how about... Christmas carols on the sideline this morning and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs can win, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking Andy's ready to try anything. Or how about insisting that all of our U.S. senators and representatives uh, lock arms in their chambers this week and sing Kumbaya? Maybe that would help. Nothing else seems to, right? Well, you get my point. Music is incredibly powerful. And uh, during the sermon series, we're going to look at a carol or a body of work and just try to think about the messaging of that and the power uh, of the music that that drives that message home. And uh, I want you to meet George Friedrich Handel. If you've not uh, been acquainted with him, he was born in 1685 in Germany. He lived most of his life in England. Uh, By the age of 11, he was playing the organ proficiently. By the age of 18, he had written his first opera. While in his 50s, he conceived of this magnificent work called Messiah, made up of three major sections and so many movements. And he he composed it all in less than a month's time, which is absolutely unheard of by anybody who composes music. When he had finished writing the Hallelujah Chorus, uh, he said to someone who was standing nearby, I think I saw heaven opened and I saw the very face of God. 
Wow. When Messiah premiered at Easter in 1742, because there are three movements, and it was premiered uh, on Easter Sunday, 1742, in Dublin, Ireland, there was a buzz about uh, the community and the city. Uh, there was a packed house. There was, there was such excitement about this, this fabulous work. They actually advertised ahead of time and encouraged women not to wear hoop skirts so as not to take up so much room so more people could be seated. I thought that was nice of them, don't you? And I would encourage ladies here not to wear hoop skirts at our Christmas Eve service, all right? And I would also encourage the men not to wear hoop skirts to our Christmas Eve service. But there was this excitement and anticipation, and the crowd sat mesmerized as the strings began that haunting overture. And then as that plaintive cry of the tenor called out, Comfort, O comfort ye my people, taken exactly from Isaiah chapter 40. Just as Isaiah 40 begins with the word comfort, so Messiah launches into this powerful theme. And by the way, the word comfort is a pastoral care word for us and an evangelistic word for us. Pastoral care in that those of us who are followers of Jesus can know God's blessed presence, Emmanuel, to know that no matter what we're going through as we follow Christ, we will never, ever be alone. But it's also an evangelistic word, a word to those who don't know Christ, who've been burned out by church or religion, and who are in desperate need of a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To say to them, you don't have to go through this life without, without protection, without care. You don't have to go through this life wondering if you're loved, if you're valuable. That God loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and He's got comfort for you. See, this is the church's time. Just as much as Easter, this is our time to share our message of good news about God's love in Jesus Christ. And Isaiah goes on and he says, I want you to cry out in the wilderness. I want you to prepare the way of the Lord. I want you to smooth out the rough places. Did you know that it's our job as followers of Jesus? We're actually supposed to make it easier for people to come to Christ. We're not supposed to make it more difficult. We're not supposed to put stuff in the way so that people trip. We're supposed to clear out the rubble and make the path plain. And a, a couple of images to help drive this home. Uh, in ancient days, when a king would visit a city, uh, the city, of course, would clean everything they could clean. It'd be like a president... Uh, visiting a city in the United States or the governor visiting an elementary school. Uh, everything would get cleaned and polished. And then to make sure that none of, the, none of the people who were carrying the king's carriage, his throne, uh, none of the people or the animals uh, sprained their ankle in a pothole, they would smooth out every pothole and they would dig out every hump in the road, and they would make it smooth because the king was coming, just as we attempt to live in such a way to make it easy for people to know God and trust Jesus Christ. The other image is the reality that Isaiah was writing to people in exile. 
people who'd been humiliated and carried away into a foreign country in Babylon, modern-day Iraq. And they longed for their homeland. They longed for their, their life of worship to be restored. And, and Isaiah says, you know, there's a royal highway that goes from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And God is going to make a way for you to be restored. Every mountain that's been an obstacle is going to be uh, leveled. Every dark, dangerous valley that is a place you don't want to go is going to be exalted. And your path is going to be possible. There is this theme in Isaiah, every valley shall be exalted, every, every hill and mountain shall be brought low. And Handel caught that theme and he just came over that phrase again and again and again in that one song to remind us, as Isaiah reminds us, that God is doing a great leveling in the world that sometimes we're not aware of. The best-selling novelist and author, Marilyn Robinson, has written a book of essays. She is a devout Christian herself, and she's made the observation that nearly every time Scripture mentions the greatness of God and praises God, Nearly every time in Scripture that God is praised, it is also mentioned that God overthrows what exists and He disrupts the order of what is. That He brings down the lofty and He exalts the lowly. And if that was true in Isaiah's time, think how much more that is true for those of us who know the Christ of resurrection, who took the powers of death and darkness and sin and evil and completely flipped them when he was raised from the dead and came out of the grave. God is in the business of making things right. And so if you're here this morning and you've been abused, if you've been discriminated against and neglected, if you've been wounded, if you are filled with guilt, your life is empty and directionless, if you're living in cycles of addiction, if you're homeless or war-torn or spiritually lost, God has a message for you that every valley will be exalted and every mountain and hill will be brought low. That God is the God who makes things right. That we need to be sure we're on God's side because God's going to win. And that's why Isaiah says in verse 9, don't be afraid. Sing this message out. Don't just tell it, but sing it out. Here is your God. Isaiah is saying, stop fixating on humans who cannot help you. For Stop fixating on humans who, who can't offer solutions. And put your trust in the God who can be relied upon. Stop relying on solutions that never work, trusting systems that always fail, and, and come to trust in the God who may be relied upon. Here is your God. That's what Isaiah says. A God who levels the playing field. Now, 
One of the best pieces of Christmas theology can be found in that theologian known as Dr. Seuss. You know the work I'm talking about, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? There's a lot of important theology in that, and you better read it if you haven't read it in a while. There's a section in How the Grinch Stole Christmas that goes like this. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. Every Christmas, the Who's would do something that the Grinch hated most of all. They would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand and the Who's would start singing. And the more the Grinch thought of this Who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years, I put up with it now and I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Did you notice that the thing that drove the Grinch the craziest was singing? Music. Because he knew as long as the Who people had music, they had hope. And he was determined to stop them from singing and stealing Christmas. There is a darkness in our land today, and it is named despair and hate. And I don't know which one is greater. A despair that says it's not worth trying. There's no, there's no sense choosing the right side, God's side. It's all a bust. It's all worthless. It's a hatred that that wants to return evil for evil and to appeal that appeals to the lowest in, in all of us. There is a darkness afoot in our land today named despair and hate. And its goal is to steal the song of Christmas. To get us to the point where we stop singing and we stop listening to the words and we stop believing. We stop believing that God is going to level things. But Isaiah, God speaks through Isaiah. And God says, you keep on singing your song. You keep on telling the message that every valley is going to be exalted, that every mountain and hill will be brought low, that God's highway will be made smooth, and that we can say together, here is your God, that God has given us a song that is worth singing, and it teaches us to live into our faith and to believe the truth that's there. Here is your God. He calls us to sing loudly and boldly. 